had a few Bibles, go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter 17. And uh, sometimes we do uh, get, boy, in, in spiritual warfare, you can get down, you can get discouraged. But uh, just remember, it may be tough, but, uh, but praise the Lord for, for knowing the future and knowing that, hey, we are on the winning side. Uh, Revelation chapter number 17 and I've entitled the message, Babylon, the Religious System. And uh, the Revelation chapter 17 talks greatly about that. And uh, Revelation chapter number 17 and verse number 1, we'll read the first couple of verses here. The Bible says in Revelation 17 and verse number 1, And there came one of seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Let's stop there. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to study the Word of God and to spend time in it. And Father, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you'd give our minds and our hearts understanding and help us to be able to grasp the things that we read in your Word, Father, in Revelation chapter 17. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. I pray, Father, that we would continue to keep our eyes focused on you even throughout all of these things that we study. And God, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. One thing we notice in the book of Revelation is that the devil, Satan, uh, that old dragon, is a great imitator uh, of the things of God. Uh, you'll remember way back even in Isaiah chapter 14, he said, I, I will ascend up into heaven and I will set my throne uh, above thy throne. And, and he desired to be more powerful than God himself. We looked at a lot of the blasphemy that he sets up even in the, uh, the false trinity and, uh, and notice this here in, in Revelation 17.1. I just find it interesting, this parallel. Look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now turn with me to Revelation 21 and verse number 9. And we find again another parallel, another uh, thing that's just interesting. The two verses coincide very well. Revelation 21 and verse 9. 
And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Isn't that interesting? Uh, the great parallel that you have there, obviously the one showing the bride, uh, the church, uh, as we know it, as the bride of Christ. And then in Revelation 17.1, we find the great whore that has uh, taken many people away. And, uh, and so uh, understand as we look at this is, again, just another parallel where Satan sets up something that is false and something that imitates what God has and what God has done. And, uh, and so we'll note that a little bit, not, not quite as clear as we did in the other chapter, but just understand there is an underlying theme of that uh, in this chapter. And in this chapter, we have Babylon clearly described as a religious system uh, which has caused many people to be led astray. Uh, and it's clearly described as a false, wicked system that is ungodly in every way. Uh, in the language that is used in here, that becomes very clear and very true. Uh, and we find many offensive terms used to describe this false religion. Whore, harlot, fornication, and uh, they're used to show absolute disgust with this religious system, and they're clearly used in a spiritual sense in this passage, okay? And so we understand all of that. We could go back to verses in the Old Testament and the prophets where this is not the first time that these terms have been used to describe a religious system. They've been used in the times past as well. Now, lest we would take that and run with that and say, well, then, uh, then fornication and those things are not sin. No, they are sin. And the Bible is very clear about that in other New Testament passages. So I don't want us to get off and say, well, since this is spiritual, then maybe all the rest are spiritual. No, the Bible is very clear uh, that, that, that perversities that go along those lines uh, are a sin against God. Uh, and within the bounds of marriage, uh, then God has designed that intimacy between a couple that is absolutely uh, good and acceptable in God's eyes. And so understand those two things. But understand as well that these terms are used uh, so, that, so that we may have uh, really to depict the disgust that God shows uh, for this religious system. And so just understand that as we go through these. I want you to notice in the first six verses the description of the whore that's given here in verse number one. And uh, notice her great influence. The Bible says there in verse number, uh, verse number one, towards the latter part, it says, uh, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And uh, she's described with a great influence. Notice she's the, the adjective great. Uh, and so the, the, the idea there is that it would be very large and a very uh, system that would be uh, very powerful uh, and have a lot of influence in the world. And so understand that with, just with the adjective. And then the Bible says that sitteth upon many waters. The Bible will clarify, we'll get to that, that in verse number 15, well look there with me in verse number 15 of the same chapter. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations 
and tongues. And so he's describing a, a religious system uh, that, that really uh, is not limited to one people group. Uh, it's not one singular religion that's isolated to one nation, uh, but rather would be uh, a worldwide, really, it would span many nations and many people groups. And so we again, that, that idea of the influence is a great influence. Look with me in verse number two. And the Bible says, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been, have been made drunk with the wine of her fornications. Understand in verse number two that it's, uh, she has a great influence even among kings or those who would have political power in the world. And so, uh, boy, we, we see that today even. Uh, how, many, how many political people will adopt a, a religious uh, title or a religious label many times just to garner the constituents of that one uh, religion? And, and then as soon as they're done with it, it's kind of like, eh, I thought, wait, I thought he was this or that. Well, it was really only in name just to kind of garner some people. And, uh, and so we find as well here that that very well could be the case. But nonetheless, there is influence uh, in, in the powerful, authoritative people of the world, the kings. But not just the uh, powerful, authoritative people, but also the commoners. The Bible says in verse number two, and the inhabitants of the earth. And so those who, uh, like you and I, I, I don't have political sway, uh, nor really do I want political sway, to be honest with you. I'm not interested in, in running for political office. Uh, I'm perfectly content preaching the Word of God. But, uh, but listen, like you and I, hey, those are the kind of people, everyday common people, who have adopted this religious system and have participated in in it. And so we see all of this uh, as her influence. I want you to notice her source. The Bible says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And look at what he sees. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. We noticed this before in Revelation chapter 12. And uh, you don't have to turn there for sake of time, but understand in Revelation 12, verse number 3, that that is a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And then in verse number 9, uh, the Bible describes that as, as that devil, the serpent, Satan. And, uh, and so clearly we understand that, hey, the source of her power, she's riding upon this beast, so the source of her power and the source of her even propagation would be that uh, of Satan himself. And, and understand this, that, uh, that in the world there is, a, there is spiritual warfare that is taking place. Uh, having lived in, in Peru, South America, and lived in other countries, I can just tell you uh, that, man, you want to you wanna feel some dark uh, coldness, spiritually speaking. Boy, there's places where just the absence of the Word of God. And you go into people that are just blinded and, and they don't understand and they don't know the Word of God and they don't know anything about God. Why? Because there's really not much Bible influence in those areas. There's religious influence, but it's not godly influence. 
And there's a big difference between those two. And so we see this, the uh, source uh, of that is the devil himself. Um, listen, the Bible, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Because the Bible says, and uh, it's either 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4, uh, that, that the God of this world blinds the minds or the eyes of those who believe not the gospel. And, and how does he do that? Oh, it's easy. Just give them a religion. Give them some form of token that says, oh, I think we're going to be okay with God. And once they feel that assurance, hey, they're not going to change. They're not going to look for anything else. They have a false sense of security in them. And so we see that uh, the source of all of that is the devil. Uh, he gives, his creden he gives the, the, this religious system credentials and power and, uh, and really allows it to move and go forward. Notice her decor in verse number four. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. I want you to notice that she's well clothed. The Bible says, in purple and scarlet. And, uh, and boy, those are real royal colors. I mean, it looks sharp. And, uh, and I tell you what, a lot of religious systems, they look good on paper. I tell you what, you look at them and you say, man, that really looks good. And, and, uh, and people really are drawn into it because of many different things. They can be drawn into a religion because of its formality and because of uh, all these other things. And I'm just telling you, it's kind of a religious system that looks good. Uh, not only that, but there's wealth included in that. And, uh, and you notice there in verse number four, uh, the, the gold and the precious stones and the pearls. And, uh, and I'm just saying, you know it's not Baptist because Baptists are just not known for their wealth, amen? Uh, we're just not. And, uh, and that's okay. I'd rather be known for being known by God uh, than known for wealth. That, that, that suits me any day, and uh, that's okay with me. Uh, but some religious systems, hey, they're very wealthy, and, uh, and why not? I mean, the God of this world can prosper them and, and they figure out how to, uh, to do all of that and acquire great wealth. But I tell you what, there's no peace with God in that. And so we find that uh, her decor is very good. Notice this at the end of verse number four, because I find this fascinating. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornications. There is nothing more uh, curious, I guess, to me, or, or interesting, I guess, in this whole passage is that, man, she, she is, uh, this religious system is dressed sharp, they have wealth, and, and to top it all off, uh, they're just standing there with this golden cup. And man, does it ever look very appealing to the eye. I mean, there's nothing there on the outward that would say, hey, this is bad. It all is very appealing to the eye. It's very perceptive. It looks good. But the problem is inside of that cup, that golden cup, that shiny cup, that very nice looking cup, that elegant cup is full of wickedness. 
And boy, how, how many religious systems, man, they look so good and, and they dress well and everything appears to be well, but boy, they're just full of wickedness. And, and the Bible here is describing really a, a religious system uh, that, that is taking place. We see all of this decor that she has. Notice her title. And, and on, uh, verse number five, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Listen, Babylon goes way back, and you can spend a lot of time trying to, uh, to correlate Babel in the Old Testament. Many people have. I, I, I read, uh, I don't know, two, three different books throughout uh, going through the book of Revelation as well as the book of Revelation and consult a few others, and, and I find it fascinating. And two of, the, two of my guys, man, they spent pages upon pages upon pages uh, drawing out long historical lectures tying this back to, to, to old things. And, and I'm sure there's probably some, uh, some, some things to what they are saying, but I'll say this. Uh, listen, uh, I, I'm not one to tie this to any one religious system. And I'll tell you why. Because it goes way back, even before many of the religious systems. And, uh, and, and there's been a problem with false religions infiltrating God's people, even in the Old Testament, with the nation of Israel. That was one of the problems. That's what all the prophets were talking about. And, and so I'm just saying that it, I, I don't know that I would tie it to one. Many authors do. Uh, but, but I'm just saying uh, there, is, there is definitely a satanic attack on true Christianity and true Bible believers throughout the ages, and there has been from the beginning of time. And whatever religious system that he employs at that time uh, may or may not be uh, just one. Uh, it, it may be a span of several. Uh, it does not have to be limited to one. Uh, but I'm just saying that uh, here we notice that the title uh, is given Mystery of Babylon, the great mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. And so we see all of that. Notice, notice in verse number 6, because this is important, this really kind of ties us down to a religious system. It says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Martyrdom uh, is basically being killed for your religious beliefs. And, and who kills for religious beliefs other religious systems? Uh, I was amazed when we, were, we lived in Italy and we went to tour the Vatican. And as we were touring the Vatican, uh, they, they started talking about the martyrs who died for Christianity. I was blown away. And I wanted to raise my hand and ask, who was it that was killing those people? But I refrained, um, knowing where I was standing. I, I thought, yeah, let's not press the waters. But, but I, I thought, how is it they could even, even bring up martyrdom? Like, like we're running around killing Catholics. We're not. Um, and and there, were, there were religious systems who were absolutely killing Christians. 
By the way, that also predates the Catholic Church. That's why I, I'm not saying it's just one simple religious system because it does go back. I mean, you look in the Old Testament. Hey, listen, uh, King Ahab was looking to kill Elijah. Uh, and kill the prophets. He didn't want them around. That predates the one religion. Uh, and so what I'm saying is, there is a spiritual war that is taking place, and Satan certainly has desired throughout the beginning of time to overcome and to conquer uh, true Bible believers throughout the ages. And so just understand that. We see the description uh, of the whore. Notice the defining of her uh, in verses 7 through 15. So we have all this description given to us. And now that it's going to give us a definition, look in verse number 7. And the, the Bible says, uh, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Let me just stop here because I want to bring this up. It says in the last part of verse number 6, I saw her and wondered with great admiration. That admiration is not uh, admiration and, wow, I'm really impressed by that. But kind of like, I cannot believe everything I just saw. Uh, just like an awe, being awestruck with, with the incredibleness of what has just taken place. And, and the angel stops him and, and says in verse number 7, And the angel said to me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Verse number 8, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit to go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. Let me just stop here and mention in verse number 8, uh, because it's fascinating, the wording of that. Uh, they, they said it twice, uh, of the beast that was, uh, that is, that was, and was not. And, uh, and that is a, a, a reference, really, to, hey, maybe the beast, you know, died or uh, seemed to have died and was brought back to life. And kind of a, a mockery or a blasphemy or an imitation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we see that these parallels all throughout the Old Testament. And the devil desires to mock and the devil desires to, uh, to um, mimic and, and blaspheme uh, the Lord in any way feasible. And so we see these things uh, in verse number 8 there. It becomes clear, look with me in verse number, um, well, we don't have to go back there. We already, we already touched on those, uh, Revelation 12, 3 and 9, that that, that beast with the, uh, that's given all those heads and those horns, that is clearly Satan. Um, notice this, because a lot of people make stuff of this in verse number 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And, uh, and listen, I, I've read that these can be seven kingdoms. I've read that these can be seven hills. Uh, and I've read that, hey, Rome is situated with seven hills all around it. And there's a lot of striking similarities between the symbols in this chapter and the Roman Catholic Church that's situated in Rome. Uh, but again, I would not exclusively tie it there. Uh, again, I... I don't deny that there are those similarities that are there, and I don't deny that, hey, they are certainly a religious system that is a false system. 
uh, and they give many people false hope. I've often thought this, that, uh, listen, the Catholic Church and their religious system is probably one of the um, wisest designs uh, for this reason, that you can live any way you want, go to the church, confess, and then walk out and you're fine, at least in your mind. Bible-wise, you're not fine because that's, that doesn't line up with Scripture. We're not told to confess our sins to man. Uh, we're not told that there is one church that, that holds everything. Uh, we're told that Jesus Christ is the on, only mediator between us and God. And we don't go to Mary. We don't go to a priest. We don't believe in a pope. We don't follow all of those things. And so uh, I will tell you very clearly that they do not line up with Scripture. Uh, but I'll also tell you, hey, I don't think exclusively that it's the Catholic Church. Uh, that, that is this Babylon. And, uh, and so I just leave it at that. Uh, but there are curious things that do line up, uh, and, and they're interesting to look at. Look at verse number 10. And there are seven kings. This is fascinating. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, I read that and I find that fascinating. And this is where, to me, uh, if we're looking at this idea of Babylon, we're looking at uh, this religious system, perhaps it has to do with five governments that are set up that perhaps adopt this religious system. Or uh, I'm not really for sure, but I do know this, that there's seven of them and five are fallen. And you go back and you can do a lot of study and you can tie a lot of things to a lot of, uh, of historic details uh, that, that are probably there. Uh, but one is present and he says very clearly, one is yet to come. And I'd remind you that at the beginning of the tribulation, uh, that it seems very much so as though a one world government will be set up. And so that is the one that is yet to come. Uh, and so uh, perhaps at the start of the tribulation. Uh, and I'm just telling you that it's, it's just fascinating as you look at all of this. But there will be uh, several kingdoms that are to come. You could go back and you can trace all the historical references and all of that if you're interested in that. Uh, but the Bible just says that it does span several, uh, several kingdoms. And that several have already passed. And one is and one is yet. Yet to come. So I uh, find that fascinating. Look with me in verse number um, 11. And the beast that was is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. And so the beast will be part of one of those at least and he will be destroyed, obviously. Verse number 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. And, uh, and go to verse number 13 as well. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. And so we have ten kings here. Uh, and these are, are not kings, but are as powerful as kings, made to rule with under the beast. And so uh, when the king, when the beast sets up his, uh, his authority or his kingdom, then, hey, there'll be these people who are powerful, perhaps like governors, uh, and they will, they will continue to give their affluence and, and power to that beast. And so just understand all of this is flowing through. Look with me in verse number 14, because I love this. 
The Bible says he pauses as he's describing all of this wickedness and all of this wicked system and all of the sins that are taking place. And in verse 14 is a breath of fresh air. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Man, praise the Lord for verse number 14. I tell you what, I underlined that in my Bible because you're reading down through there and you're saying, man, a religious system that's going to pull people in and, and pull in kings and it's, it's fueled and, and, and even driven by Satan himself. And, and boy, you can really begin to uh, become discouraged when reading all of this saying, man, uh, we're really up against uh, a lot of things that are out there. And, and you get down there and you get into verse number 14 and I tell you what, it's refreshing. Not that they're making war with the Lamb. That's not refreshing. What's refreshing is, I love this, the Bible says, the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords. Praise the Lord for that. I, I don't remember if it was last week, I don't remember, it was a week or two ago, and I ran into... Um, uh, those, those group of people, the Jehovah's Witnesses, who absolutely deny that Jesus Christ is God. And uh, we were talking with them, and, and, uh, and, and I, I don't have a whole lot of patience for, uh, for people who just outright deny the deity of Jesus Christ. I just, I don't, and, uh, and I told them, I'm like, you're trying to convert me, and I'm trying to convert you, and neither one of us is going to change. So I tell you what, let's just, let's just part ways. We'll just continue doing what we're doing. And, uh, uh, and it I just bothers me because there is so many verses in the Bible that just substantiate the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. One time I started writing a track. I thought, I'm going to write a track that, that definitively proves that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and, and I, I, I started making my outline. And by the time I was done, I, I basically had the entire New Testament in print. I'm like... Well, just read your Bible. You'll find that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible's very clear. Right here in this passage, in the midst of the book of Revelation, there's this refreshing breath of, of fresh air that the Lamb... Listen, God the Father is never referred to as the Lamb. God the Holy Spirit is never referred to in the Bible as the Lamb. Jesus Christ, the, 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 uh, the God-man that was born of Mary, a virgin, and lived on this earth, an absolute sinless life, was called and is called the Lamb of God. And over and over it is. And the Bible's very clear here that the Bible says, uh, the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And I'm just telling you that the Bible's very clear that Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords. And they can set up their kingdoms, and they can have their religious systems, and they can have all the power that the devil will allow them to have in this world, but they will never be more powerful than Jesus Christ because He is Lord of Lords and He is King of Kings. And we understand that. 
And so we find here a very refreshing verse in number 14. And I would love to have had time. I did not have time to run down these words. Called, chosen, and faithful. What uh, three very peculiar uh, words that are used. And I looked and they're, they're not hardly even used in the book of Revelation. And here we have all three of them tied in one verse. And, and, uh, and I'm just saying it's fascinating as you look at those. Uh, because they are with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And, uh, and I know this, that hey, praise the Lord, we're going to be with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we're going to stand with Him. And so I thank God for that. But we find there a lot of interesting things in verse number 14 as we find the defining of all of this. And just a refreshing verse. Verse number 15, the Bible says this, And He saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And so He defines all of the symbols that are given in the first five or six, six verses and tells us what all of those things mean. And so you don't have to guess what do they mean. You go back and you read these and you'll find them all defined fairly clearly uh, throughout these verses. But I want you to notice this because verse number 16 takes a, a turn that perhaps you would not see coming. And verse number 16, the Bible says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Well, that's pretty descript. And you find a pretty amazing thing. So not only do we have the, 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 the description of the whore, the defining of that description of the whore, but now we have in verse 16 through 18, the discarding of this religious system, Babylon. And, uh, and it's set aside. Notice in verse number 16, there is a despise for this religious system. And I noted earlier how many times uh, politicians or uh, people like that who want, uh, uh, are trying to appease a certain people will grab a religion and, and kind of put that label upon themselves so that they can kind of garner. But as soon as they're done with, with, that, uh, with that people group, man, they'll just discard that label. And they're no longer interested in that. And we find that taking place, that this false religious system is merely being used by the devil himself to persuade the masses in one way or the other. And when he's done with that religious system, he's going to throw it away. The Bible is very descriptive in that. It's very clear in that. That, he, that they hated that religious system, that they stripped it naked, they, they devoured it, and then they burnt it with fire. I mean, you talk about getting rid of a religious system, uh, that is what they're doing there. And, and, uh, and it's quite a vivid description. All of the power of this religious system is going to be scrapped and removed. And in reality, the life of the religious system will be completely pulled from it. And so we find that they'll use it for a while, but then they'll discard it. Notice in verse number 17, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Verse 18, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Notice in verse 17 that God is ultimately the one that is in charge. 
And uh, we read all these things in the book of Revelation. And I tell you what, they're very vivid. Uh, they're very picturesque. And, and sometimes they're very uh, scary to read about all of the wickedness that is taking place, the abominations and how people will be influenced and swayed and follow all of this false wickedness. But we find, hey, listen, in the end, God's still in control. I find it fascinating. I find there's several times that we've seen this peril. This is not the first time. I think it was might have been last Sunday or the Sunday before that uh, there was that parallel with all the plagues that took place in Egypt. And I really see a parallel here in that uh, when you read through that, uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart and then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And what was God trying to do? Well, if you read it all, I, I don't remember exactly where the verse is, but there's a verse in the Old Testament that says that God was proving himself to be God before the entire world. And those, not just the Egyptians, but the countries that lived round about, you don't think they heard about what was going on over in Egypt? You don't think that news traveled? Of course they did. Now, they didn't tune into uh, to, to News Channel 8 or whatever it is. Uh, they didn't hear it on the radio. They didn't see it on social, social media. But I tell you what, they traveled. Uh, they, the news traveled and they heard about what was going on in Egypt. And God made a, a name for himself that, hey, he is the God of the universe. Hey, listen. That's not the last time that's going to happen. You notice here in verse number 17, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So God's ultimately in control. And he is going to uh, be in full control. And we find here in verse number 18 that powerful city. And there's many attempts to identify what city this is, and, uh, and I say this, and I've said this before several times throughout the book of Revelation, that, listen, one, first and foremost, if God would have wanted you to know exactly what city it was, he would have put the name. Um, but, but listen, things could change very quickly. Uh, I mean, a city that is absolutely nothing today could be something great tomorrow if a, if a political system chose that city and set up their headquarters there. It doesn't matter if the population is only 300. If that's where they chose to set up their headquarters, it might be, become world famous in short time. And so we may not know what that great city is, uh, but it is a powerful city. Uh, and so we understand that it's described as a great city. And, uh, and so just understand that there's a, a religious system that is going to, uh, is even currently uh, swaying people and, uh, and, and, and blinding people. And it will... Uh, I believe, get worse in the tribulation. After all, a lot of people are going to be deceived. And, uh, and I've thought of this several times, and I'm sure I've said it a few times, that, that listen, if, if all the Christians are pulled out of the world, and we believe they will be, when that trumpet sounds, could you imagine living in a world where there's no influence of the Bible? Boy, how, how dark and how terrible things will be spiritually on this earth. 
And how quick that, that man could. Uh, I mean, after all, a lot of them don't like Christians anyways because we're always hindering and holding up their agenda that they're trying to push through. And, and so they, they'd like to banish us all anyways. And uh, they'll be happy when that trumpet sounds. They probably won't know, but man, they'll be, the, their agendas will start flying through and everything will go their way. And, and boy, they'll, they'll be able to set up things quickly because there's, no, there's nothing holding them back at that point. And so understand that there is a wicked time uh, in that tribulation. And we see Babylon, a religious system, as described in chapter 17, and, uh, and how deceitful it is and how it pulls people in. And, uh, but ultimately, uh, it will be discarded even by the devil himself. And we know that God will have the victory over it all anyways. Verse 14, uh, the, the Lamb is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we thank God for that. All right, hopefully that helps you at least give you a little bit of insight of Revelation chapter 17. Let's stand to our feet. We'll have a word of prayer and a short invitation. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I, I've gone through a lot and tried to explain and just help us understand and God, we're, there's one thing that we can clearly understand and clearly know, and that's that you, as Jesus Christ, are God. And Father, we thank you for that. And God, we understand that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we will be victorious, not in and of ourselves, but through you. And Father, we thank you for that victory. We look forward to that day that we stand with you. God, I pray that you'd bless, strengthen, encourage each and every believer. God, it's frustrating sometimes to fight against false religions and even not fight against them, but to witness and try to proclaim your truth to people who are completely deceived by false religions. God, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we have your Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We thank you that we have encouraging verses all throughout the Bible. God, I pray that you would strengthen each and every believer. Father, if there's one that does not know you, I pray, Father, that they would put their faith and trust in you today. And God, they'd trust you as their own personal Savior. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank him that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, gave his life so that you and I could be saved. What a great reality and truth that the Lamb that is the Lord of Lords, the Lamb that is the King of Kings, gave His life for you and I, shed His blood, the precious blood, so that we could be saved.